Hi, Bother Brigade. Here's what's bothering me today. So, again, it's that time of week. But you know what? Based on even just yesterday's story, I think we've all had enough very terrible, depressing stories for the week. Also, uh, it's my mom's birthday weekend, and she does watch these videos, and I don't want to ruin a very good weekend for her. So, with that being said, we are going to do a good news version of the Sunday Sum Up because... Quite frankly, also this week, I saw a lot of really good stories, and I'm not sure a lot of other people saw them, so we're just going to make sure people know that there's some good happening in the world, in spite of all the recent terribleness that we've talked about. So with that out of the way, welcome to the Sunday Sum Up, everyone. This one's going to actually be kind of nice for once. So a lot of this was spurred actually from a tweet by the Serfs, uh, where they again were kind of talking about how they were having a really good day. But for me, that was also kind of already at this point, part of a really good week. But to recap why it was so good for them, a Starbucks just unionized for the first time ever. Kashama Sawant won against the corporate-backed recall against her. Steven Donziger is released to serve the rest of his term at home. Nina Turner just followed us. A lot of victories to celebrate today. Hello, somebody. And yeah, that's a pretty great day for them. And, you know, let's actually talk a little bit about the stories that they're referencing. Employees at a Victoria Starbucks vote to unionize. Employees at a Starbucks coffee shop in Victoria have voted to join a union amid the COVID-19 pandemic. According to the United Steel Workers Union, workers at the drive-thru Starbucks decided to unionize in order to protect their health during the pandemic. We're sick of being paid minimum wage to work for a multi-billion dollar company, being understaffed during a global pandemic, and we don't like decisions that directly affect our safety being made without us, said one Victoria Starbucks staffer in a release Wednesday. So yeah, can't say I blame him. Also, power to ya! We got people in a Starbucks in the west coast of Canada actually voting to unionize. That's actually really great and a sign of like recent pushback by you know organized labor across North America against, let's be real here, very horrific capitalist excesses over the course of the pandemic. Seattle City Council member Kashama Sawan declares apparent victory over recall effort in tight election. So this one's a little trickier because the ballots are still being counted and sure she's widened her lead, but it's a difference of like only 249 votes as of recording. So um, yeah, it's still very close, um, but a lot of the news pieces were happening a few days ago and yesterday. Now there seems to be silence as it's gone to this point. So fingers crossed she survives because she's basically the only socialist on city council, I think pretty much anywhere in America. Um, so of course the recall against her, it's very close. And so that is very telling, but so far it seems to be going well for her. Let's hope she can keep that up. And then there's the news about Steven Donziger where he was released from prison. Now, the whole story with Steven Donziger is a massive one. It's something I've wanted to cover for a while, but it's honestly massive. It would easily be like super long form content. The short and sweet version is that he was a lawyer who represented over 30,000 uh, Ecuadorians and indigenous Ecuadorians when Chevron was basically um, exploiting them and just polluting their land when they were using an oil field in the Ecuadorian Amazon part of the jungle. He won that court case, which meant that Chevron had to pay $9.5 billion, which basically forced them to pull out of Ecuador entirely 
and then proceed to make his life a living hell. That is the super extreme Cliff's Notes version, but the fact that he's actually, well, free, he still has a prison sentence to serve, but he's just under house arrest as opposed to being imprisoned. And again, the reasons why he's imprisoned are really terrible and messed up and not based on any real actual crime it's all clearly just chevron being pissed that he managed to force them to pay indigenous people in ecuador and force them to pull out of the country for again their capitalist abuses but hey we're not doing that kind of ranting we're celebrating the good stuff so again in his own words breaking danbury prison officials released me this morning to serve the rest of my sentence 136 days at home huge step forward for our campaign but the battle for my freedom and to hold chevron accountable continues so grateful may his house arrest pass quickly and without incident but since it's chevron uh... oh and speaking of corruption we got to talk a little bit about cops again so basically let's be honest here and we've already been honest about this several times before on this channel while blm was very important in galvanizing a lot of people and getting the discussion rolling and just more eyes focused on police brutality in america and just well the rest of the world in general what ended up happening was that uh in minneapolis arguably the ground zero for the blm movement considering that's where the murder of george floyd happened that city unfortunately still didn't really follow through on, on a lot of its promises to defund the police and a lot of people felt very dejected by that however people in minneapolis are calling each other instead of the cops disappointed by recent attempts at electoral reform organizers are building community-based safety networks that aim to make police obsolete so really in classic leftist fashion it's okay you know what I know we got knocked down a bit. Let's see how we can build each other back up again. And what they did was they started talking to people who were already running like certain mutual aid networks or had expressed an interest in it. And uh, other people who were sort of in like loosely formed community coalitions or alliances, if you want to call it that. They started bringing them together and offering a form of training, especially for de-escalation. And so what's happening now is communities are kind of policing themselves. Yes, there are still egregious incidents which uh, require cops to be called, but in many ways, this is kind of a similar adaptation to what I've talked about, at least I think I've talked about before. The Kwanlindan Nation in um, the Yukon Territory in northern Canada, where they basically formed this own kind of four-member, not really a police force, but a community safety project. And they only call the police, which are the RCMP, when shit actually gets very real. So far, as far as pilot projects go, it's doing really well. And here we're seeing a version of it in Minneapolis, where people in their own communities are instead saying, you know what, instead of calling the cops, let's try and do this ourselves to ultimately make policing obsolete and therefore their massive budgets unjustifiable. Unfortunately, this means we're probably going to see the cops engage in more like crime creation of their own, unfortunately, which we've seen before where cops will leave like bait trucks and whatnot, trying to encourage people to commit crime. And then the cops come around and say, oh, hey, you committed a crime. It's like, dude, you literally put the truck, the bikes, like the trailer full of bikes and packages and stuff like that. You put it there to literally tempt people into it because there isn't actually that much crime. So you have to justify your own shitty, pathetic existence by creating crime. So yeah, folks, cops don't actually do really fundamentally jack shit except serve and protect the interests of the state. So I'm really hoping that this format that is being 
practiced and you know refined as it were in Minneapolis can begin to be implemented in different communities across America but also here in Canada and hopefully that begins to really start making a dent in um, the functionality of the police while making communities safer happier and healthier so let's get a quick one out of the way uh apparently the fox news christmas tree in front of their main office was set on fire a while ago Now, since then, a man has been arrested and placed in custody. Apparently, Fox News also did, like, some weird, like, three-day straight coverage. Like, oh, this is bad. We will not be silenced. And it's just, you know, the, the typical War on Christmas stuff, which was the joke, right? Of, oh, man, look, the War on Christmas is actually real. It's actually happening now. And lots of people making jokes about, you know, the metaphor of the Christmas tree on fire being anything, right? So... Yep, see, this is capitalism for you. Or, oh, this is what the Republicans do to America. And it's just, it was just a great little moment. But seeing Fox News get so incredibly bitter and salty about it was just so delightful. That brought me a little bit of Christmas cheer. And we're already like, what, three, maybe four, five? I've lost count how many good stories we are into. And yet, we still got more, folks. So we recently talked about Kellogg's and them being a terrible company. See that video and also boycott Kellogg's, please and thank you. However, there's been an update to that story and it is a glorious update. So they tried to hire new workers instead of, you know, continuing to negotiate with their striking workers. It hasn't really worked out for good old Kellogg's there. Update, efforts to replace striking Kellogg's workers has been disastrous, workers tell us. Scabs wreaked havoc on the factory, most cereals are not being produced, and a delivery train went off the track yesterday. Now, already, that's amazing, but with regards to the train derailment, there's another part to that story. Workers also told us that Kellogg's had to call in help from Ohio to put the train back on the tracks because no workers from Michigan would cross the picket line. Oh my god, you love to see it. Workers in Michigan said, hell no, we ain't crossing that picket line. So, um, yeah, Kellogg's attempted, well, we'll just hire new workers. How hard could it be? <laughs> Turns out it's a little harder than you jackasses thought. And again, with regards to Kellogg's, the story doesn't end there. So again, in the wake of all that, right, um, they still had, you know, look, we're hiring, come join and be a worker. And the tech savvy youth of this new generation, the Zoomers, as they are called, they did something so wonderful and beautiful. They started applying en masse with just bogus applications, so much so to the point that it crashed the website and it was still down for like at least 23 hours. However, again, they didn't stop there. I told earlier how Gen Zers crashed Kellogg's website by submitting bogus applications online when it sought job apps from strike breakers to replace union workers. Update, one of them wrote a program which uses random data to submit bogus applications to Kellogg's 24 hours a day. <laughs> oh my God, get fucked Kellogg's. That is just mwah. I love that. Not only did basically an entire generation come together to say in no uncertain terms, oh no, you're not getting out of this so easily. Another one said, hey, you know what? Let's take it a step further and make this hell permanent rather than us having to, you know, 
keep expending non-renewable energy do you know oh god i'm getting so tired of doing all the applications make the machine do the work for us <laughs> i sort of feel bad for whoever at kellogg's has to sort through and parse the good from the bad in this regards but i do not feel bad for the kellogg's company as a whole treat your workers with respect because otherwise you know you reap what you sow and my god you have sown some shit and speaking of giant companies reaping what they sow, there's good news about Amazon, but from Europe. So I know literally just yesterday, we talked about the horrifying events at the Amazon warehouse in Southern Illinois. However, over in Italy, there's been an interesting development with Amazon. Amazon fined 1.28 billion for abusing market dominance. Italy's antitrust regulator said the e-commerce giant had harmed competitors by encouraging sellers to use Amazon's own logistics service. Now, Amazon is appealing this decision. I mean, of course they are. But basically, Italy's own kind of competition, fair play and practice bureau of sorts ruled that Amazon was basically abusing its own power and status to edge out other people from the market while promoting themselves, just basically making even more money and just using pressure and brand awareness to do so. Something, something free market, whatever. But the Italian courts found them guilty of this, you know, violation and not allowing for an actually open and competitive and free market, as it were, depending how you choose to interpret it. And so Amazon is pissed that Italian regulators have sued them. So it goes to appeal. It doesn't mean that they have to pay it just yet. You know, we have to wait for the appeal on that. Let's hope it stays. And in fact, it'd be even better if they were sued even more money, but that is not a guarantee. However, still good news that at least somewhere around the world, someone is trying to stick it to Amazon. And that is good news. Now, some people are probably well aware of this by this point, but, uh, Bernie apparently made a tweet recently that um, somehow, apparently, or at least this is how like some business channel decided, oh, well, you know, this is clearly gonna cause problems because apparently this one tweet by Bernie Sanders sent big pharma stock prices tanking. Here's the clip. We have been uh, watching a certain category of stock time now for our stock of the hour and shares of Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna are falling. Companies pricing policies questioned by Senator Bernie Sanders. Kriti Gupta is with us now. Uh, that is a lot of decline for a tweet, Kriti. Some pretty strong moves when it comes to those vaccine makers. Let's just talk about what one of those factors are, because there is several things behind this. I'm going to start off with that tweet from Senator Bernie Sanders. I think we can pull it up. There's some pretty strong words here saying this is obscene. Last week, eight investors in Pfizer and Moderna became $10 billion richer as news about the Omicron variant spread. It's time for these pharmaceutical companies to share their vaccines with the world and start controlling their greed. Enough is enough. Major exclamation point there. Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, weighing on those stocks there that is amazing he's not wrong and yet you know, like i've i have never seen such clear evidence of the stock market being rich people's feelings than right here right now where bernie saying you know demonstrably true things somehow sends the stock market into a tizzy of oh no and so the stock value goes down because we're nervous now like this it is so ridiculous 
And you know, like a part of me is sad because America could have had this man as president, but we're trying to focus on the good here. And like, again, I'm sure the stock prices are going to rebound, but it's still hilarious that a single tweet managed to rattle the industry, which just shows that it's all bullshit. Bernie Sanders just continues to just casually expose American bullshit. And I am so here for it. And then the final amazing cherry on top of this delightful cake of good news is this one story from Canada. Haitian Commission sends message to Canada, US, stop meddling in our government. Some Haitians say de facto control by foreign ambassadors, local allies brought hunger and gang rule. So apparently recently, um, with regards to Haiti, which again has just been, let's not even go there, but in his letter of resignation, US President Joe Biden's special envoy for Haiti, Daniel Foote, apologized to the people of Haiti, mired in poverty, hostage to the terror, kidnappings, robberies, and massacres of armed gangs and suffering under a corrupt government with gang alliances. What our Haitian friends really want and need, he wrote, is the opportunity to chart their own course without international puppeteering and favored candidates. So yeah, that's the crucial part at the end there. He just kind of said the quiet part out loud that um, Haiti is basically controlled by external powers and influences, which I mean, yeah, people paying attention to this have known this for a while, but now it's just definitely far more in the open. Like this was published by the CBC for God's sake. Foot made it clear that a clutch of foreign diplomats known as the core group had chosen current prime minister and acting president Ariel Henry after wearying of Claude Joseph, the first person they had backed to succeed murdered president Jovenel Moïse. The hubris that makes us believe we should pick the winner, again, is impressive, he wrote. Like, yeah, dude just kind of is pulling the mask off and showing <laughs> it's basically a cabal of international, you know, foreign entities that are deciding who's leading Haiti and, you know, what is acceptable and unacceptable to them. The big three leading the core group, no surprise, are Canada, the US, and France. If you're wondering why Canada is so involved in Haiti, that's honestly a subject for another time, but to broadly sum up, source of cheap labor, uh, migrant labor for farms in Canada, uh, a source of immigration for Quebec in general because they speak French, and again, crucially, cheap foreign labor, so bring all that stuff into Canada on the down low so that, oh look, see, prices are low on these foreign goods. Welcome to capitalism, folks. America, because they have their past history, same goes for France, so um, yeah. Basically, this is the West, and by the West, I really mean the powers that be that have a vested interest in Haiti because they're closest and have the most historic and cultural ties. They're absolutely making sure that, uh, sure, Haiti liberated itself in the first ever successful slave rebellion, but they're never going to let them forget that, and they're still very much going to get whatever they want from Haiti. And yeah, people realize this. Daniel Foote is saying something that we all knew for ages and we've been talking about for many years, that elections in Haiti are not real, said Haitian-born sociologist Frédéric Boiron of McGill University. Over the past years, what we've seen is Canada, the US, and France really taking control of the country, of the political agenda in the country. Yep, yeah, it's, it's deeply unfortunate. And you're wondering, wait, hang on, this sounds like a bad news story. And it's bad news in terms of like, yeah, I'm pointing out some of the dark aspects of Haiti basically still being under the colonial influence of its big three partners, Canada, the US and France. However, it is actually really 
heartening to see that in Haiti, not only, you know, do people recognize and know this, but that it's getting some outside notice and attention. And on top of that, that some people are just openly calling it for what it is. Hey, please stop messing and meddling with our country. You're not helping. That is the positive good news aspect of this. Haiti is openly telling Canada and the US to get stuffed. And there we have it. A large, very surprisingly large number of good stories from a single week. So yeah, folks, I know things are pretty dark out there and you know, I'm not gonna deny that they aren't, right? But again, you know, stop, let's smell the roses, let's touch a little grass, Let's take a step back and be thankful for what we have and appreciate the good stories and the good wins that we do get and where we get them. This was a whole bunch of really good positive developments in some very serious and arguably like major or what should be major stories internationally. It's a sign that, you know, a lot of people have said before of give it a long enough timeline, progress always wins kind of feel like we're seeing that right now with all these stories granted yes some are kind of could potentially still go one way or the other because we live in a capitalist hellscape but within that hellscape there are little moments of hope and inspiration and i don't want us to lose sight of that which is part of why i made this and quite frankly i really enjoyed making this it was just again such a long and difficult week but at the same time right with all that bad, there was all this good. Let's not be doomer about things if we don't have to be. But unfortunately, not a lot of these stories may have been seen by people when they are objectively great and uplifting and encouraging and energizing. And the fact that lots of people may not have seen or heard about the vast majority, if not all of these stories, is definitely what's bothering me today.